awesome to be together. Why don't you grab a seat? It is fantastic to be with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Dean. It's great to have you here at True North. We're in a series called Party Theology. And, uh, and I got a, a title for my message today. And the message today is called Awkwardly Comfortable. Let me hear you say Awkwardly Comfortable. Now turn to the person next to you and just say, hey, it's about to get awkward in here. Give him a little tap. Let him know. It's about to get awkward in here. Turn the other direction and say, I'm sorry I didn't talk to you. That's a little awkward. It's a little awkward now. I just declared I prefer someone else to you. Yeah, just kidding. That's not what, what anyone declared. Um, this, uh, you know, here's the... The, the thing that I love about this idea of awkwardly, have you ever been in like a really awkward kind of moment or you just find yourself somewhere like, this is just a little awkward, you know, like you ever like go to a movie and, and then you find yourself in the movie and then you like, oh, this is now a little awkward. I, I remember I was, I, I realized when I looked up this movie, because uh, how many people know the movie Save the Last Dance? Have you ever seen Save the Last Dance? You know, great movie. A lot of, a lot of ladies seen that movie. I noticed, I noticed that. Uh, while we uh, put our hands up there. Not a, lot of, not a lot of blokes put their hands up. Yeah, well, anyway, um, moving on to the message. No, just kidding. Uh, I, I, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's, a, you know, it's kind of a, a, a story of, well, in fact, I'm going to read you what it's about. Uh, this, is, this is the synopsis. I looked it up uh, so that I could, I knew a lot of people may not have seen it, but here's, here's what, you know, IMDB would say. It's about Sarah, played by Julia Stiles, is moved from a small Midwestern town to the south side of Chicago when her mother dies in a car accident. Don't worry, that just happens in like the first 10 minutes. It's over. Move on. And she must live with her father, but she soon falls for an African-American teenager at her new high school. And he has a less than idyllic past. And they share a love for dance, ballet and hip-hop respectively. And together, they tackle the problems that go with an interracial relationship. It's a beautiful movie. It's a really beautiful movie. I encourage you to take uh, someone maybe on a date to watch it together. So I watched it with my friend Roberto. Um, and uh, <laughs> here's how we ended up there. And when I looked this up and saw this movie came out in 2001, I was like, in my head, surely it came out in like 90, like surely we were like 18 or 19. And, and then I realized this all happened when we were 23 years old. So, and uh, Roberto is a, a, you know, blokey bloke. He was my best man at my wedding. And we were out one night. It was a Friday night. And we're like, hey, what, what are we going to do tonight, you know? And, and we're just kind of hanging out. We're both working at that point. And um, we're like, I don't know. Let's go see what's playing at the Dollar Theater. One of the great things in the U.S. is a Dollar Theater. And that's where they show a movie that's been out for a while. And you only pay a dollar to go in and see it. So I go, let's go to the Dollar Theater. It's cheap, whatever. We go to the Dollar Theater. We're like, what's here? And we're looking and we're scanning. And we're like, there's not a lot playing. Uh, save the last dance. Uh, you want to see it? I don't know. You, you want to see it? Like, I don't, like you want, I, I don't know. I heard some of the soundtrack. It's got Ice Cube on the soundtrack. Maybe it'd be all right, you know? And probably not going to see anybody we know here anyway. We're in a different part of town. All right, yeah, fine. Look, well, I mean, what else are we going to do? It's already 7 o'clock. Let's just go. Let's go. Okay, fine. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go. And um, so we're in line. Cool. We're just waiting. Then all of a sudden, Dean! You know? <laughs> Great. And it's, you know, and the only people in line are girls. So, of course, it's a girl. And you're like, oh, gosh. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I haven't seen you in years. Like, how, how are you? You know? I'm, like, doing good. Yeah, you know, working. Oh, playing stuff. Oh, I catch up. Cool. Hey, yeah, what, what are you guys seeing? What movie are you going to see? 
I, you know, I don't know. We'll see when we get up there. Like, okay, cool. We'll wait in line with you. So, you know, it's like, do for a, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Save, save the last dance. Just give me the tickets. Oh, that's what we're seeing too. You know, so it's like one of those nights. Okay, cool. Enjoy the movie. Oh, dude. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I know that was awkward. That was awkward. Now we're in the theater. Dean, you know, and, uh, and there's only girls and people on dates at this movie. And so, you know, oh, hey. How's it going? Hey, how you do? Okay, yeah, cool. So you guys are seeing Save the Last. Oh, is this Save the Last Dance? I, I thought it was Saving Private Ryan. Is that a different theater? Is that, you know what, we're here. We may as well stay. Yeah, cool. Enjoy the, enjoy the shit. This is awkward. You know, it was one of those just like, um, this is, you know, you're just constantly like, cool. Hey, I haven't seen it for years. So, yeah, no, look, I have a girlfriend. She lives in another, yeah, sure, great. That's good for you. Like, honestly, like, I'm glad you guys have nothing better. You know, it's just awkward. But one of the things about this message is we all know what it's like when you find yourself in some situation where you just feel like everyone's judging you, like going like, you're like, really, this was the best thing you had to do on a Friday night. Like, look at you guys. That's the best you could come up with. Even now, like, Ryan is silently judging me for this story. And he's like, <laughs> You know, I told this in Malou, Phil said I can't come to man camp. Like, it's just, <laughs> like, enough already, okay? Um, you know, it, the thing is, we all can get in these situations awkward, and you just feel like the eyes of people going, like, really? Like, really? And one of the things that I love, what we're going to see today, is that Jesus had this way. Uh, you know, whereas, say, for me, I'm like, whoa, I feel awkward. Jesus had this funny way about him where he was never awkward. And it didn't matter where he was or what he was doing or who he was with. He was always comfortable. And not only was he always comfortable, even though sometimes he was in places that, that other people were like, really, you, are you sure about? He was so comfortable in various spaces that he made everyone else feel awkward by where he was so comfortable. And so this message is about how do we become awkwardly comfortable, no matter where we go. Uh, party theology is about how we understand what the importance of banquets, parties, and feasts from the perspective of the scriptures. And today we're going to look at one of the most famous kind of spots where Jesus' comfortableness at a party made everyone else feel incredibly awkward. And it goes like this. Luke's account of it. In Luke chapter 5, it says, now I'm going to read kind of a long stretch of verses here. So hang with me on this. We're going to read the whole story, a little bit of conversation that happens after, and then we're going to go back and unpack it. But I want you to really get this scene. We're going to go into it. It says, after this, Jesus went out, and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Let me hear you say tax collector. Oh, man, if you're new to the scriptures, if you think, uh, you know, kind of the ATO's got a bad rap today, the tag, you got nothing on the tax collectors of Jesus' day. A tax collector was someone who was seen as a traitor to their very country, who was taking taxes on behalf of the occupiers of Rome. And Jesus starts the awkwardness by saying, hey, why don't you come follow me? Jesus invites him to be one of his disciples, to be in training with him, to follow him, to do life with him. Everyone else in Jesus' kind of cultural and religious context sees this guy as the enemy. One of Jesus' own 12 disciples, another one of them was a guy named Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were a movement against Rome that were so zealous for it, they would resort to violence and upheaval because they were that passionately opposed to Rome. So Jesus 
has, our, has got a zealot in his, in his kind of crew. And now he invites Matthew into his crew. He's like, come, follow me. And Levi got up, he left everything, and followed him. And so it starts with Jesus kind of inviting him in. And then Levi, he is loving this change in his life and the new life he's been invited into now in Christ. He's so pumped about it, he held a great banquet. Let me say a great banquet. He threw a party, and he had it at his house. And he brought a large crowd of tax collectors and others who later we'll hear them called sinners. He just this whole kind of crew house party at Levi's house. If you're going to go to a house party, it's probably good to go to the tax collector's house. You know what I'm saying? He's been extorting people to party. Anyway, just so. Anyway. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law turn to somebody and say, no, actually don't. Forget it. Don't say it. Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect, they complained to his disciples, why, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? These guys, for a moment, let me help you see something. They are the Pharisees, and sometimes they get a bad rap. Do you know who they are? They're the devoted. These were the people who were passionate for God. In fact, the ones here even are probably some of the Pharisees and teachers of law who were actually sympathetic towards Jesus. They were not in, in, quite opposed to him the way others might have been. They're kind of falling around. They sort of like some of the stuff he's got to say. But then they always hit these moments where they're like, no, it just got awkward. Jesus, we liked a bit of it, but why, why do you have to do this? Because for them, one of their primary concerns was how do you stay pure? How do you make sure you're living the life God wants you to? And they're so passionately committed to it that they're like, we just don't want to end up around a table with the wrong kind of people because that might take us down the wrong road. And, and here's the thing. We can't even almost get this into our cultural context because, you know, we sit and eat with anyone. It doesn't have the same... Uh, meaning laden in it as it did here, but to sit around the table, to be in someone's home, was a level of association and closeness uh, and support and intimacy. All this, it was it was such a level that it was as if you were saying, "I'm with this crew, like I'm with them." It'd be like signing your name to a particular kind of movement or something that you know everyone else would be like, "I'm sorry, what movement did you just sign a thing for?" Like you're putting your name almost. That's what it felt like to them. That it was as if they, he was saying, yep, I'm totally with And they're like, why did you do this? Like, we loved what you had to say. Why would you have to go and make it awkward? What are you doing in that house? Why, he, why does he do this? And Jesus answered them, look, this is why. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. The way you're looking at it is actually a little bit out of focus. I've not come, he says, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And his point there, he's saying, look, I didn't come. He's not saying, oh, there are some righteous people. He's actually just saying, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who think they're righteous, and the more righteous you think you are, the harder you're going to find it to step into the joy of the kingdom that I'm bringing. I've come for those who know they are sinners, to call them to repentance, to call them to new life. This is why I do these things. And then it goes on. And then they're like, they keep going because they're like, look, all right, all right, what, what, now we're talking here. You know what? John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Like they've got a, they've got a lifestyle that shows their devotion to God. Uh, they, they fast twice a week, uh, these people. But you guys, you're just eating and drinking all the time. What's with that? And, and Jesus says this. He says, look, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the time will come 
when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And in those days they will fast. Pause here for a moment. Notice this. Jesus could have said, you want to talk about fasting? Why don't you go read like uh, Mark chapter 1. I did 40 days in the wilderness, you know. (laughs) He could have have actually talked about just how much fasting he would do. His point here isn't kind of to say fasting is either good or bad or anything like that. But his point is to try and help them understand something. He says, look, can you make the friends of the bridegroom? As soon as you say bridegroom, uh, he's taken their minds and their thoughts to weddings and celebrations and feasts. A wedding in their context lasted seven days. It was incredibly celebratory. And Jesus is like, look, yeah, when I'm here, guess what? The party's on. When I'm around, it's joy time. The kingdom of God's breaking in. And so, yeah, there are time for fasting, absolutely. But he's like, right now, and when there are, are tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners who are turning to God, Jesus says, you know what time that is? That's party time. That's joy time. And he says, there will come a time, but this is not it. He says, and so he tells them this parable. You ready for a parable? He said, no one tears a, new, a, a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Can you imagine if you had two pairs of jeans? One was an old pair of jeans and another was just a pair you just bought at, where's a really fancy jean shop? Seriously, people, go, like, (laughs) just, just, all right. Hey, Ryan, next series, fashion. Anyway, so let's just, I don't know, let's just say they're G-Star Raw or something. I don't know, but can you imagine you just bought a brand new pair of jeans and you're like, oh, these got a hole. I'm going to grab a patch out of this and stick it on those. Like, no, you would never do that. You're going to ruin your brand new stuff and it's not really going to make the old ones better anyway. Like they're done. It's time to set them aside, okay? Get some new jeans. You just lost a bunch of weight. Great job. So says otherwise they'll torn the new garment, patch the new, won't match the old. And then he gives a second picture. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking the old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. Now here's, uh, since maybe when we're not buying jeans, is anybody making wineskins? <laughs> like maybe goat skin, things like that? No? Anyway, okay, guess not. But, so if you're not familiar with this, they would put their wine not in, you know, glass bottles like we do, but they would use animal skins. Now, the thing about that skin is, so if you've got new wine, you've got a brand new skin, you put the wine in there. We all know wine's kind of alive. It's dynamic. It's bubbling. It's fermenting. The wine is in the wine skin. It's expanding and contracting and all these things. Over time, that wine is getting to be finer and finer and finer and better. And over time now, eventually, uh, that skin is getting old. Now, maybe the wine's all been uh, drunk from it, and so now the skin is empty, But guess what? That skin is now formed to the shape and the size and all those things of the wine that it had at one time. And now it is no longer flexible. It is hard and brittle because it is an old wineskin. So now if you try to do it again and you put that new wine into this old wineskin, what's going to happen? Will it be able to flex and grow and everything with it? No. It's going to break. Wine's going to spill out. And everything's ruined. And Jesus makes a last comment here. No one, after drinking the old wine, wants new. They say the old is better. And he's speaking here about that tendency we have to always want to hold on to what was old. Nah, I love that wine. And I love that wine skin. I don't care. It's new wine. I'm still putting it in the old wine skin because I love that one. He's like, no. New wine needs new wine skins. Now, when we look at this whole picture and scene, 
This is what it looks like, and this is what it means to get awkwardly comfortable. Awkwardly comfortable. And I want to give you a, a few things. Who wants to get awkwardly comfortable? Just got a little more awkward, didn't it? Just because you're all like, does he want me to answer? Is he not? I don't know. We can never really figure it out. I don't know. So it's, that's awkward, but that's all right. Here's what it looks like. I'm going to give you a few things we've got to get comfortable with. If you want to be awkward, who wants to get awkwardly comfortable? Okay, this over here, I'm, that's all right. We'll be comfortable and you be awkward. Okay, so I'm not just, just kidding. That would be not nice. But here's what we got to do if we want to get awkwardly comfortable with Jesus was. First thing we got to get comfortable with is we have to get comfortable throwing and being at great parties. Are you comfortable with the idea that a key part of what it means to follow Jesus is to be able to throw a great party? Can you get comfortable with that idea? When Jesus was around, the party was on. And if Jesus is present in our lives, there is a degree of joy which should be present in our lives. And the essence of a good party, whatever else you think makes for a good party, the key ingredient is joy. People who are joyful can throw great parties. It doesn't need to be at a fancy house. It doesn't even need to be fancy food. It doesn't, it, but it takes a person who is joyful to throw a great party. You don't need to be an extrovert to throw a great party. You don't need to be an introvert to throw a great party. You need to be someone who carries the joy of the kingdom of God. Because then, that joy you have begins to manifest itself in the way you live your life. Like you bring the joy into the room. And when you become like what we see Levi do here, is Levi allowed the joy that had broken into his life to manifest in creating a space for joy for other people. And he held a great party in Jesus' honor. I mean, how great and how backwards is it? Both how backwards is it that we are not known as the greatest party throwers on planet Earth? And how great is it that this is what we should be known for? Because no one should have joy like we have joy. Everyone in life has hardship. No one should have joy like we have joy. And that joy should allow us to throw great parties. I'm not talking about you got to have a, you know, put the flyer out or, you know, like, and get like 300 people at your house this week. No. But creating space to gather with others in a way that is joyful and people get pointed to Christ. You know, one of the... Uh, Things about banquets in Jesus' day, we don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, generally speaking, commentaries will tell you that banquets in Jesus' day tended to be known for about three things. One was food and drink. Two was often live music. And third was um, conversation and discussion. You know, reading the, the background, this is, this is what banquets were actually known for. They were those places where, you know, you would go to a house and, and imagine just those kinds of nights where it's like, man, there's music, there's food, there's drinks, there's great conversation happening. This is what Levi wanted. Let me get all my people together. Let's have a great party. Like, hey, I just want you to have some great chats with Jesus. I have some conversation with him. You can have some discussions with him. You can have some, you know, imagine this. Imagine the conversations at this party. Uh, 
you know, we talked about Simon the Zealot, right? Do you remember Simon the Zealot? What did he want to do? Be zealous, you know? He wanted to kill Rome. He wanted to overthrow Rome. One of the strategies of the zealots was literally assassination of key figures. So, hey, what do you do? <laughs> Zealot, you know? What do you do? Tax collector. Hey, what's your name? Let me see if you're on my list. <laughs> so, uh, uh, only his conversation was, that wasn't, because you know his conversation was, hey, what do you do? I used to be a zealot. What do you do now? Following this guy. What do you guys do? I don't know. We keep going to these parties. It's a little awkward, to be honest. <laughs> this is what it looks like. You know, we've got to be comfortable throwing great parties. You know, one of the things you see on your chair is this little card about an alpha launch party. And one of, you know, the, the reason we're doing this, if you're not familiar with alpha, it's just a real, uh, what it is is a context to create gatherings over food and drink and on the launch party, live music, where people can meet Jesus. Not a place where we try to tell everybody about all the things need to change in their lives, and here's how you're going to do this and that. It's just to create space. Because you know what happens is, one of the best ways people meet Jesus is exactly what happened at Levi's house. You just create space, and around the table, and the food, and the joy of life, people get to meet Jesus. And if you have anybody in your life that you're like, man, I've been wanting to introduce them or find a way, um, you know, Sunday mornings may not be the first step for them in that kind of context. This is a space. Invite them. Bring them. That's what this is for. Encourage you to be thinking, who's somebody you could pray? And just go, you know what, why don't you come to the party? Yep, it's at my church. It's going to be a thing. They'll get to watch a short video on that day and decide if they'd like to do Alpha. But you can guarantee them good food, good drinks, good music. And that's what Alpha, it, it then just creates a space to do that you know, for seven weeks together after that. Eating, drinking, talking, hearing about Christ through these fantastic film series they've created. It's a space to invite people to meet Christ. Can I tell you something my hope is? You know, I was in a, a conference for Alpha in London earlier this year, and some of you have been familiar with it before, but one of the things I was so struck by when I heard stories from places from Nigeria to Indonesia to Los Angeles to London, people from all around the world, and one of the things that struck me so much was everyone who was seeing people come to Christ had figured out in their context, in their culture, how to throw great parties. And that's what creates a space for people to meet Christ. Parties that, where, where the life of the kingdom is front and center. You know, we got to get comfortable with that. The, the second thing that I want to talk about is getting comfortable with is we've also got to get comfortable um, with, we'll say it this way. So there's lots of things we've got to get comfortable with. We've got to get comfortable with this. We've got to get comfortable with the mission and the reality that the mission, Jesus said this, I'm here to seek and to save the lost. He was so crystal clear, focused, and comfortable with, I'm here for one reason. You know, we talk a lot about parties and joy, and I want that to define something of who we are, but you have to understand, we don't kind of just like, hey, we want to throw parties just so that we can have a good time. Jesus didn't say, hey, why do you do this? Why do you eat with them? He's making it so awkward for people who wanted to follow him. And they're like, why do you do this? And he doesn't go, because I just love pushing your buttons. <laughs> you know, I just, I love the awkwardness on your face, man. You should see yourself right now. He didn't just kind of go, I just like to be a bit of a, you know, kind of stir that. No. And don't ever get this, like, we don't want to get great at parties or, or, or you know, kind of push the limits of comfortability for the devoted or anything like that for the sole reason of, like, just because. 
Jesus says, I do this because I came to seek and to save the lost. I came because it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. I came because I'll do anything that I need to do to be close enough to bring the joy of the kingdom into their life. And that's, that's what we have to get comfortable with going, my life is no longer about me, my life is about others. And I've got to become so comfortable in situations that might have previously made me uncomfortable. I need to become like Christ where I'm so content and secure in who I am in him so that I can be so comfortable with anyone. And no matter who's looking on, I can be so comfortable because I know this is what my life is about. You know, Jesus, the, the thing about these parties and why why you weren't as a good rabbi like Jesus was and why it made them feel awkward and why it drove them crazy was like, you shouldn't do this. Once you eat at their table, it's like they're going to infect you or influence you or you will begin to become like them. They had a desire to say, these were devoted people to God. And they were like, if you go down this path, you'll just become like everybody else. But make no mistake about it, and this is what we have to be comfortable with, the influence with Jesus only ever went one direction. Jesus to the party, never the party to Jesus. And part of getting awkwardly comfortable is we have to be so comfortable. We are, like Christ, connected to the Father, walking in Him, prioritizing, this is what my life's about. My life is for others. And so it's so important that I actually walk with Him so that when I'm, at the table, and I get invited to the party that's going to make everyone else feel a little bit awkward, I know influence only ever goes one direction, inside outward. Does that make sense? We have to get comfortable with this reality, though, that doing that, being comfortable with the mission, means we are going to have to get too close for comfort. Do you know, if we want to see people, if we've come, if we want to see the, the sick healed if we want to see you know and jesus is speaking there saying you know people who are far from god coming close to god if we want to see that happen we have to get uncomfortably close awkwardly close we cannot share the good news of the joy of the kingdom until we are close enough with someone that they can receive it do you know what it means to be around the table, I think, in, in our day and in our context, and to be around the party with people is to realize this. We can never introduce people to Christ unless we are so close to that person that, that it, there is a connection. Now, and, and here's, if, if I had to have like a rule of thumb, I just sometimes feel like you should never uh, almost be able to try and tell someone. Because well, all these people and the Pharisees looking out, they're sort of like, Jesus, it'd be okay if you're at the table if we were really certain that what you were doing was telling them all the things they were doing wrong. They probably would have been okay with that. But he wasn't kind of doing it quite the way as well that they even thought should happen. Can you imagine in our day what it would look like to go, you know what, we never, the whole point is to help people come to repentance. That means turn from how you're living and follow Christ. And so we're, it can be easy to be like, so when do we tell people? When do we get them? When do we let them know? Like, you're going down a path that's not going to be, when do we, you know when, I think we should never start to tell anyone anything about their life until we're close enough that we can comfortably give them a hug. How would our world be different, and how would followers of Jesus be different if we were like, hey, your life, everyone thought the tax collectors, this is clearly out of bounds, and so they were like, this is what's right, what's wrong. What if we just, you know, no matter where a person was at, no matter how clear it seems to be, like, I will never say something about you and who you are, your life or your lifestyle or anything, unless I am close enough to you that we could comfortably hug. We know we care about one another. It can be so easy to want to kind of lob 
truth bombs at people, right? Like, just kind of chuck a grenade, you know, that's wrong. <laughs> you know, that's, that's wrong over there. Like, and, and, and it doesn't mean you have to know, but the, the heart that could sit around the table, the heart that could be at the party, the heart that's like, yo, it's a, you can think that and I can think this. It's all good. That is what should define us, the way we relate to people, awkwardly, com- uncomfortably close. Now, here is, the, here is the, the, one of the last things that I think is really important in this passage. You know what else we have to get comfortable with? We've got to get comfortable throwing great parties. We've got to get comfortable being kind of too close for comfort. And we've got to get comfortable with being criticized as well. What happens to Jesus? He's at this table. He's eating with them. It's life of the party. He loves them. And I want you to notice, when I say life of the party, you know, for some people, probably in party theology, they're like, look, I'm an introvert. I'll never be the life of the party. Was Jesus an extrovert or introvert? Which is it? Now, give me a genuine answer. Extrovert or introvert? Neither. Both. All of it. He was fully human. (laughs) And and if you, you know, we can sometimes kind of go, oh, this is not for me because, no, 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 Jesus is you. He's all of us. He is fully human. And part of the reason he was so great at parties is because guess what? The party was never about him. Being the life of the party doesn't mean you tell all the jokes and, you know, have the spotlight on you all the time. It means you're interested in other people. Why did everybody love Jesus? Everybody he talked to, he's way more interested in them. What do you want? What do you need? Tell me about your life. You'd be extrovert, introvert. It's about you care. That's what brings the life of the party when you're actually interested in others. Now, but when you're in these situations, we have to be comfortable being criticized. And I just want you to know this because I think my hope is that we as a church could be one of those places where it's like you could easily, as a devoted person, go, I'm a little uncomfortable with what they're doing. Otherwise, we're not following Jesus. And too often it can become easy to just kind of keep going along uh, and, and doing things that feel comfortable and safe when the nature of Jesus and who he was and what he did, it just made it awkward for everybody. And, and we have to be, co- the people, like he's in there eating, and what happens, all these, the people that come up, they're like, dude, we liked a lot of what you had to say. We liked a lot of what you had to do, but why do you got to eat with, you can't, you're just, don't you know? You're around the table with them. It's too far. You've pushed it too far. But Jesus is comfortable being criticized. They're like, your lifestyle is way out of whack, Jesus. You're eating, you're drinking. Everybody who's really devoted lives like this, and then here's you. This party all the time, hey? Jesus could have gone, do you know, uh, hey, guess what? You know, read Mark chapter 1 again. I'm up at like dawn, before people are awake. He had a rhythm to his life. He doesn't defend or deny he's comfortable being criticized he's comfortable this is how it's going to roll and he tries to teach them about look i know it's awkward for you i know you're having trouble with it but what you have to understand is that god is doing something so new it's new wine and it's alive and it's dynamic and it's fresh and if you try to jam it into your old ways of conceptualizing god and how to relate to him it's just going to bust the whole thing and it's just not going to work this so is like he's saying to him, just understand the new wine of the gospel. You know, wine, it's alive, it's bubbling, it's fermenting, it's, li- it's doing something. And he's like, you just got to understand God is doing something new. And you can't contain what I'm doing in the old forms. You know, the, 
the thing I, I really, I hope, and I think, believe, you know, God wants for us as a people and as a church is, you know, can we, can we f- follow him into those awkward spaces, but where it's actually we are entirely comfortable? And where we're comfortable that sometimes we'll be criticized, comfortable that sometimes people will say, feel like you're kind of, mm, you know, you're a little over the line here, or you're not, I don't know, uh, you know, or maybe you're just going to become just like everybody else, and that's a, but actually we are awkwardly comfortable just loving people, welcoming them into our lives, where we have enough joy in our life that is manifesting, expressing itself in such a way that people love to be at our table. Where we are interested enough in people that it's like, man, when you're there, there's just something that happens. Are we ready to get awkwardly comfortable? You know, I want to pray for us this morning. In fact, you can stand up. And we're going to sing in just a moment one last time that kind of, we're going to sing of the greatness of God. And and as I pray this morning, I'd love you just to join me in this prayer. Because I really feel there's something God wants to do in us and in where we're going that he wants us to be one of those places where it just, we're awkwardly comfortable. We're so clear on who God is, so clear that the purpose of our life and our church and our mission is to see others get to know the doctor who brought healing to us. And we're willing to kind of Let it get a little bit awkward if it has to at times for the sake of welcoming others around the table and into the joy of the kingdom. No, it's not really our place. I sometimes think about Jesus around that table. What did the conversations go like? What did they sound like? It's hard to even picture the, and he clearly wasn't taking the tact that some people wanted him to, but you just get that feeling of people being so welcomed. And yes, an invitation, come follow me. Life's found here but always out of this incredible, the grace of God that was just awkwardly pouring out of him everywhere and awkward for everybody else, entirely comfortable for him. And I wanna pray for our church that we would just be one of those places, that we'd surrender afresh to God and say, God, whatever new wine you wanna pour out, whatever you wanna do in us, uh, help us to stay flexible and malleable enough because God is not kind of like, You know, he didn't kind of just do a bunch of great stuff when Jesus was around and then like now he's just chilling till it's all, he's alive and active now and he's got new wine. There's things he wants to do and he wants to do it through us and we gotta stay flexible and malleable enough to go, God help us to be a people who can contain the new wine of your kingdom in our day, in our time to live this reality out. If you wanna join me in that, invite you just to open your hands. Just open them in front of you. It's just symbol of saying, God, we want to receive what you have for us. Lord, today, we thank you that you were willing to get comfortable in our skin. You were willing to come for us. None of us stand here apart from your grace. I pray that we'd be so secure in that grace and so secure in who we are in you that God, uh, your love, joy, peace, all that is your kingdom would fill our lives, fill our church and overflow into the lives of people around us. 
God, I pray you would make us a people and a place that are willing to get awkwardly comfortable. Comfortable around people who are so different that maybe once upon a time we might have felt a little awkward ourselves, but actually we're able to just be comfortable. Comfortable around them. Comfortable knowing you love them. Comfortable knowing it's just our role to be your hands and your feet. To love people, to love you, to love people, to point them towards you. But always from a place around the table. God, pour out some new wine today, I pray, even. Some bubbling, living, fermenting new wine into our lives. We think of Alpha beginning and pray that, God, there will be people who you got your hand on their lives and people will pray for and invite and bring. And it won't be because the right words got said somehow, but actually they tasted and saw that, that God, you are good. And they began to move towards you, Lord Jesus. New wine, we pray, Lord God. Pour it out in us and through us. Great and living God, in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody agree, said, amen. Let's just declare his goodness. Yeah, give him a clap, give him a praise. He's worth celebrating. And let's sing to him one last time this morning. Let's just declare his goodness, declare it over this place, declare it over your life. <laughs>